Hi, I'm Tiki Barber, co-founder of Thusio. Thanks for listening to the Thusio Live and Unfiltered podcast. This episode features my interview with Boomer, also known as former New York Yankees pitcher David Wells. David details all the emotions that went into the day he pitched his perfect game, including the interesting night he had before the game, his memories of the 1998 Yankees, his relationship with skipper Joe Torre, and much more. Enjoy the interview. What the heck took you so long to become a starting pitcher? You were a reliever till you were 30. I was I was caught in an in an organization called Toronto. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. So um, no, I, I came up as a starter through the minor leagues. Uh, got two starts in the big leagues. My first my first start was against the Yankees, um, and Ron Guidry, who was my idol growing up, uh, lost that game. And then we went to Kansas City. And they were in first place in the Central, and I lost that game. So I was 0-2, and they sent me right back to AAA. And so I went down there, and then Dave LaRoche, who was my pitching coach down there, he's like, you know what? We need to get you back up there. You don't belong down here. Let's see what we can do in the pen. So I started working out of the pen down there, and I came right back up in September and won four games. You know, So I had a really good September and, and got stuck. But I didn't want to be there. Yeah. So that's how it was. So I was six years in the bullpen. With Toronto. Yeah, I mean, you won a World Series there in 1992. Right. And so it wasn't, obviously, a fruitless endeavor in Toronto. But you didn't bounce around. I mean, I went and looked at all the stops. I mean, Toronto, then Detroit, then the Reds. And these are like one-year stops. It's not like a couple of years there. Right. The couple Reds, over a few the years. Orioles, ultimately, you made it to the Yankees. And you won a World Series there. That's when you pitched the the uh, the perfect game. But and then you go to back to Toronto, the White Sox, the Yankees again. I mean, you were a ridiculous journeyman. You How want to know why? Because I was that black sheep right there. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, fun, I, I, it's I funny was, you say that because I... I, I felt I, like I was. I have to ask, was that one of the reasons? Why, why were you... Why couldn't you stick? I have no idea, but I mean, I, I did my job everywhere I went. So I, I pitched well in every organization, but I, I don't know. Maybe because usually, you know, right at the deadline for the, uh, for the trade deadline... There was always teams that needed somebody, and I don't know. I mean, I spoke my mind a lot. That's what my mom always told me as a little kid. Don't take any shit from anybody. Speak your mind, persevere. And that's kind of what I did through life. And so, um, but, you know, just taking that in there. But when I was with Toronto, they used to mess with me so bad. Pat Gillick, Gord Ash, the whole front office. And it was, it was really discouraging for me how they, how they treated me and a few other guys, but it just I just took offense to it, and I just, you know, basically told him to fuck off every time I saw him, and, and it was like, what do you do? And, but that's what I did, so I kind of rebelled against ownership and, and front office, and but I loved my job, yeah. so that's kind of how it happened. So you were a rebel. I mean, of course they're going to get rid of you, tell them to fuck right. off every other week, well, but here's the thing. Where did that start? I mean, I read these stories about you stealing Harleys at 11 with the Hells Angels. <laughs> I mean, where did that start? It, it just, well, my mom, she dated, he was, in the, he was the president of the San Diego chapter. And it, it's funny because a couple of days ago, I was just laying in the hotel room on, I think it was History Channel, and they had a big thing on the Hells Angels. And when I turned it on, they were talking about a guy, Fat Ray. And, and I loved Fat Ray. He was great. Big, huge Mexican dude. And, you know, and every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there was a party at our apartment complex where I lived. And there was like 
probably 150 motorcycles all around their whole block. So it was pretty cool for me. And here I am, 11, but I knew how to ride, so I'm out here trying to steal these guys' bikes, and they're kicking the shit out of me. And so I'm running down the street, and they're trying to chase me. But, you know, it was just those types of things. And, you know, in that incident that I saw, because Fat Ray went into a bar, and there was another motorcycle club called the Mongols, and they were like rivalries. And so he wouldn't leave and turned out, and they ended up killing him. And, but it was weird that I saw that because I knew the guy so well. And then two days ago, I was just watching the thing on History Channel, and it was about Fat Ray. How are you not a disturbed individual? Seriously. <laughs> I, I think about that sports. upbringing. Sp- sports. Sports. How did you find sports? Then? Just as I lived right across the street from Rob Field, a uh, little, uh, it's, just, it's just a big playground in, in Ocean Beach where I grew up. And um, so I played every sport. I, I mean, my first love was basketball. So I played basketball all the way till I was like in my late 20s. Um, but I surfed every day because if, if there was surf, I was in the water. If there wasn't, I was playing basketball. But I did both. But every sport just came pretty easy to me. And if it wasn't, if I didn't, was, wasn't one of the first guys picked, I went out and busted my ass until I can get that sport down and be the first one picked. I hated to fail. Yeah. That's one thing I hated to do. Now, how did you become so good at base- baseball then? What, what, chose, what made you choose baseball? Just, it came natural. Yeah. And being left-handed, you know, and I, I, I believe in my junior year in high school, um, I was throwing, like, mid to high 80s. Um, and here, I was 175, 180 pounds. And so that summer, I just, you know, did what I always do. And came back the next season, and I'm throwing, like, 95, 96. And I have no – but I ran a lot. So I ran the beach. I would run a couple miles – Every, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I would run two miles in the sand, and then I would swim out to the pier, which was probably about a, a mile there and back. So I'd swim in the ocean there and back. And that's just basically what kept me going. Yeah. But, you know, it's in the power in the legs. It's always in the and legs. And the finish, and that's how I started throwing so hard. Now, you bounce around, as I talked about, the Blue Jays, Detroit, the Reds, the Orioles, and then ultimately you come to New York in 1997. What was your perception of New York before you got here? Well, I've always wanted to play here, growing up a Yankee fan and a Padre fan. But um, just the whole mystique about the Yankees, how great they were from Babe Ruth. And, you know, that just kind of – I just fantasized about that as a kid and doing all my, all my reports, everything was like – I must have been born in school because I did them all on Babe Ruth. <laughs> so it was like – it was crazy. But I just – the love of the Yankees that I endured as a kid – I just, that's, that was like a, it was a dream come true. I, I wanted to be a Padre or a Yankee. I didn't care. I just wanted to be there. And, and then when I got here, you know, despite my first start, you know, when I came back, I just became a Yankee killer. Yeah. So I remember, you know, when, when I was a free agent after uh, Baltimore, after the 96 um, uh, playoffs, when that Jeff, that little punk ass Jeffrey Mayer, <laughs> are you in the crowd? Are you in here, son of a bitch? So, so uh, you know, I pitched well. Dave Cohn and I threw a, a great game, but we ended up victorious. And then George wanted uh, Bob Watson. So I guess he sent Bob Watson to go s- try to sign me. And Bob Watson didn't go, and George got pissed. And so I guess that was his demise. And then Cashman came in and, and did all that. But that was like a dream come true. Now, Can't beat him, join him, right? Yay. That's a- all right, now... You come to the Yankees. I gotta, let's go through this perfect game. Um, 
because it was unbelievable. I just watched all the outs. And the question I have for you, did any of the outs feel hard to you? Because you start to feel the energy of, the, of Yankee Stadium and the fans about the seventh inning. Um, when you start to realize, man, this guy's gotten out 18, 19, or 20, 21, 22 in a row. Did any of them feel hard to you? Because they were all pop-ups, ground balls, strikeouts, 11 strikeouts you Every had. Every one now. of them. Because I wasn't in the best of shape mentally, <laughs> physically, before the game. So, you know, it was just, it was a grind. And, and like, after the fourth inning, when I started feeling human, then, <laughs> then things just kind of started. But I knew what was going on. So I just just try to maintain and yeah. just make out there. And, you know, like I, I always tell these guys, if you don't have your best stuff out there, there's eight other guys that make plays behind you. Yeah. So just try to pitch to contact and make it. But I ended up having 11 strikeouts, I think, that day. So did. I did help my cause a little bit. Now, I, I look back, in the, in the seventh inning, you started to labor just a little bit. You had two, three, two counts, full counts. You did. Oh. I'm just watching. Okay. You're laboring a little bit. You get one ground out, and then you get one strikeout. Then you get into the eighth inning. Um, and this is where it kind of gets interesting. You get a shot to knoblock at second base. Oh, my God, was it ever. Uh, it was a Ron shot. Coomer hit I mean, a that bullet. Was, that was a hit. Well, <laughs> and knoblock knocked it down. Well, when he hit it, the way from when I, when, after Ron hit it, it was a bullet. And I swear it hit him right in the chest. <laughs> I thought it did. But I just actually, it was about a couple months ago, I saw they had it on TV and there was a highlight of it. And, and he, did, he caught the glove, but the glove hit him there. But that was just the first part of that play. He caught it. Now, the second part was him trying to throw it the first because he had the yips. So we're just going, every time the ball went to him, you're like, oh, shit, here we go. You know, that's why Jorge Posada played uh, a short dugout. You know? Yeah, you're right. He, he just stopped at the dugout because he knew Knobloch couldn't throw. And, and when he hit it, I just kind of looked, and I'm like, oh, that's a foul ball. And all of a sudden, I look at Paul Neal, and he's just kind of camping underneath. And I said, oh, my God, this is going to happen. And, and it was just it was chaos. And... So first thing I did is I'm looking for, for Jorge Posada, but his ass is down the line, running down the line, and I got Luis Soho coming at me, and I'm blowing him off. I'm like, get away from me. Where's Jorge? And, and, and it was weird because there was a guy sitting up the first base, uh, over the first base, our third base dugout, and he's actually the Yankees, one of the Yankees photographers, and he was just there as a fan that day, and he has a black and white, and he ended up taking a picture, and you see Jorge down the line and everyone coming out to get me, and that was like the only picture of him and I together. Oh, wow. So, so it was cool. So he ended up making me about 500 of those 8x10s, and so I just sign them and give them out and, you know, do a lot of charity oh, stuff those, like those that. Those are valuable somewhere. Maybe when five they, bucks? Well, yeah. No, five cents. Yeah. When, when they picked you up, were you afraid you were going to fall? No, I had, I had strawberry underneath me. Oh, yeah, I, I had some muscle. I had Willie Banks. I had Bernie Williams. I had Straw Man. I had all the guys. So you had you some, you had I, some, I probably wouldn't have felt it if they dropped yeah, me. That's a good point, yeah. which brings us to what happened the night before. Oh, now, yeah. there's a rumor that you had a you put a bender in the, last, the, the night before that, that perfect game. put the game. whole new meaning in bender. <laughs> Tell us about that evening, because it was with uh, Jimmy Fallon yeah. on Saturday Night Live. Tell us what Seth happened. Seth Myers. Well, my, my dad brought my son into, uh, into town. It was my visitation. So we went to, uh, I think it was Anthony's. It was right next, right three doors down from Dorian's on 84th, and this was on 84th and 3rd, our second, our 83rd and 2nd. And I always went there, like, the night before I pitched, I always had spaghetti and meatballs. I always carved up before the night before I pitched. 
So went there, had dinner, and I knew I was going to Saturday Night Live, but I went there, and then Marcy Klein, you know, she hired all the talent, and so she's like, hey, you coming to the party? I said, no, nah, I got a pitch tomorrow. She goes, you know, Dennis Rodman, he had his best game ever after a Saturday Night Live party. I go, well, I'm not Dennis Rodman. I'm sorry. And she just kept just going at it. She was just like, just going, 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 just ruffling my feathers. I'm like, no, I'm not going. Finally, I just said, you know what? Fuck it. I'll go for a drink. So I went for a drink. Well, one led to two, two led to three, and at 5.30 in the morning, Jimmy Fallon and I are looking. He's like, who's leaving first? Are you leaving? Am I leaving? And, and it was just like, so I was with the whole Saturday Night Live cast, and we just, we didn't stop. It was just one of those things. You just get caught up in the moment. Stupidest thing I could have ever done, but, you know, and when I got to the park the next day, I stunk. I smelled like a brewery, man. It was just like, so I went in the side room. I got there. I grabbed about five waters, and I went into the, uh, we had, then they just started getting masseuses, so... I went in there, and I, I took about 10 bottles of water, and I just said, Rohan, I said, just work on my legs. Make sure they work. And I just stayed away from everybody because <laughs> I stunk. And I'm just like, if I don't do any, if I get taken out in the first inning, I'm done. I'm going to get suspended. I'm going to get fined. But I just wanted to stay away from Joe Torre and everybody else. And, and I did. But, I mean, I made about 10 trips to the bathroom, <laughs> both ends. It was just like, it was just one of those things where you're just like, Oh my God! Am I going to be able to pitch today if I'm going to, you know, I'm going to squirt my pants a little bit? So, but it was just like, and, and that's what the water. Finally, I just, I had a, uh, I ate a pancake, and I was just like, and, and it stayed. I'm like, yes, I'm good. I'm back. I'm back. So, I just, then I just went through my routine, and and then, and then that shit happened because my my warm up was so bad. Yeah. So bad. I threw two balls out of the stadium, and Mel Stoudemire is going, Boomer, you're doing great. I look at him, I go, don't patronize me. I'm not helping my cause, yeah, right? right? I'm still a little hammered. That's so, but then I just said, you know what? This is the best it's going to be. I just I cut my bullpen short, walked in, and then just and then that crap happened. Then it then it happened. It was now, crazy. Now, do you think about yourself in the history of, of of perfect games? There's been 21 in the modern era. First one was Cy Young. The last right. one and that was 1904. The last one was 2012 with Felix Hernandez. There's been 21 in the entire history. Of, of the Major League Baseball. Do you think about yourself? Well, 23 now. Well, well, there's three non-modern. Well, non-modern, Non-modern. Yeah. So, but so, 21 in the modern era of baseball. Do you uh, think about that? You know what? You never, you never think that you're ever going to do it because look at all the great pitchers, you know, in our, in our history of baseball that has never done it. You know, Pedro's never even done it. And he's, that guy was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, Roger Clemens, he never did. So you got a lot of these guys who've never done it, but – to be in that elite group, everything just has to be right. I mean, you got to get lucky, you know. You got to have, uh, you got to have. It's all about the team, you know. So it's just the stars got to be lined up the right way. So yeah, it's 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 a small group out of the history of of the game, a hundred something years, and it's it's a pretty cool yeah. group to be in. We went at a lot. I told him, you know, it's my job's to go nine. Yeah, we had Mariana Rivera, you know, one of the greatest <laughs> ever. Him and him and Trevor, the greatest ever in the bullpen, but. You know, to me, it, it was like that was that was, you know, in my DNA. I love to get CGs. I wanted to finish the game. You know, Sparky Anderson really gave me all the confidence to to be that type of guy. Because when I got released by the by the Blue Jays in '93, I went to Detroit, and every five days I warmed up. When I went in to the dugout, he goes, "I'll see you in the ninth inning, kid." 
And, and that's just, I mean, if that's not respect and confidence, he didn't want to put Mike Henneman in to, you know, to, to uh, the game. He wanted us to finish our games. And, you know, so Joe and I, for four years that I had him as a manager, butted heads, like, unbelievably because I didn't want to come out of games, yeah. you know, and especially that one in a big game. Now, could you play now? Because no. think about what's happening now. It's all about, like, you had a rubber arm. You could pitch. I used for, to. Uh, it's well, done. Yeah, well, now it is, of course. <laughs> but you could pitch forever. I mean, it, it was the beauty of baseball back then. Nowadays, yeah. guy's going to throw 95 then to 100. He's going to wear out in five innings, and then gonna, we're going to bullpen for the rest of it. Could you play now? No. I mean, it, it would be hard. I mean, yeah, you can because guy goes 5 and 15, he's getting 20 mil. <laughs> Some, I was born too early. <laughs> but, uh, but, no, it's just it's tough because now they're babying the guys, in my, in my eyes, they're babying the guys. They're not letting them finish uh, the thing. It's the sabermetrics, which David Cohn has really kind of got involved with, and he understands it, and I don't really care for it because I don't want some computer telling me what to do when, you know, there's no integrity in that. Yeah. It doesn't have a heartbeat. Yeah. It can't give you, you know, it doesn't, you know, the matchups. It tells you what you've done through the first time, through the lineup, the second time, and the third time. Sometimes it's, you never know what's going to happen in a big game. You know, your, your emotions, you know, fly high. And you know how that is in a big game. So to me, you know, you want to do that so these kids are on pitch counts. So when they get to that 100 pitch, so they're going balls to the wall for five innings. And now it's a quality start. Yeah. Four or five innings now is a quality start. I would, I would probably, I would have been blackballed. <laughs> I guarantee I would have. 1998 is different. You are the man. Your war is 5 or 4.8 or whatever it was that season. You were, you were unbelievable. You guys swept San Diego. That's, that was, I mean, that, that, to me that was awesome because I'm in my hometown. Yes, but right. I got booed like crazy in my own hometown. <laughs> they booed, they booed the hell out of me because the night, because uh, before the seat, before the series started, I went on Howard Stern, and so, so Howard is begging me. He wanted me to. So, what's your prediction? I said it's not fair to the Padres. It's not fair to the Yankees if I predict something. And he kept asking me. He was like a gnat. He just kept, he wouldn't stop. I'm like Howard, shut up, man. It's just it's not fair. I'm not going to do it. And he just. After about, you know, 40 minutes, he finally wore me down. I'm like, you know what, listen, just to shut you up, I'm not going to predict anything, but I would love to win in five because that means I'm getting two games out of it. So I want to pitch, pitch the first game and the last game. And next day, post, Wells predicts five. I'm like, I got hammered. I was just, you know, that was a loaded question that he did to me. So I just, so Dave Stewart put it up in the, blue, in the Padres uh, clubhouse here, and then it got back. All the media took it back to San Diego, and it wasn't very pleasant for me in my hometown. Yeah, that's okay. It's all right. I got the hardware. Exactly. You got I the got the hardware. ring, baby. Uh, <laughs> that team, that team was so stacked from Jeter and O'Neill and yeah. Posada. Obviously, yourself, David Cohn, who the next year pitched a perfect game as well. I mean, you, Mariano, forget that. I mean, it's unbelievable how good that team was. What's your, what are your memories of some of your teammates? Well, I, I remember the first week, I think we lost four games in a row right out of the get-go, and Joe Torre was pissed. So he came in, and we had team meeting, and he called everybody out. He called Jeter. He called everybody out and says, you know, if, if this is what we're made of, and we got the best team literally on paper – to do that, and a lot of guys took it personal that Joe did that, but I thought it was great. 
I just, I mean, sometimes you need to be stood up and, you know, check your ego at the door and, and listen to what he has to say because Joe was a hell of a player. So he knew, and he played in a, in a pretty crazy era that was, you know, the game meant a lot more. So it's just about being mental toughness, and we just went on a tear from there. But the awesome thing about it was we didn't have to rely on Derek. We didn't have to rely on Bernie. Everybody in that lineup, one through nine, and even the guys off the bench, Shane Spencer came in, I think, and hit eight home runs down the stretch, and, and that was what it was all about. We all went out there and did our job. All the pitchers, you know, we had a game within a game. I mean, we, that, like, if Andy started it, you know, then Dave would go out and pitch, and, then I, and we just, we'd have bets on who's, gonna, who's not going to lose. So that we, we tried to do that, and that was kind of how we gelled. We went, every time we went to a city, we got in early, we all went to dinner. And then we all, you know, went our separate ways. Bible thumpers went home, read the Bible. You know, the scumbags went out and, you know, got hammered. And, you know, the other guys did their own thing. So we were just, but we weren't click. There was no clicks. Yeah. We just did it. We did it together. No animosity. So if there was any animosity in the clubhouse, it was, it was nipped in the butt real quick. I'm going to take you back to 1998, playing the <laughs> Orioles. <laughs> um, Armando Benitez. That was a good one. <laughs> drills Tino between the oh, two yeah. and the four after Bernie takes him yard. I mean, that brawl was epic. It was epic. It was epic. I mean, Daryl Strawberry comes flying out. You know, it was right? weird because we were in their dugout, and, and Jeter and, 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 and Ripken were clung to each other, so they were, like, holding each other's hands. <laughs> and the rest of us were... <laughs> so the rest of us were... You know, we're going, Jeff Nelson and, and, and Graham Lawyer coming and throwing haymakers. The Twin Towers are coming in, just swinging. And we went down in their dugout, and you just hear this. And I'm like, it just, my head just snapped. Alan Mills hit Daryl Strawberry so hard right here in the face. or hit him right in his cheek, and he just instant had a, like a, a golf ball. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, my God, that was unbelievable. So, and, and Alan... He's, he's, he's a badass. He's black belt and karate, so he wasn't afraid a whole lot, but he just says, I'm getting the big guy. <laughs> and he got the big guy, but Daryl got a hold of him, and get, guys got in between them. And I'm down in the dugout, and I got, I got a choke hold on Benitez, and I got him in the scissors, so I got him like this, and I'm, stre- and I'm like, and this is before MMA came out, and I'm stretching him out, and I'm choking him out. And he's like, boom, or let go. And I was his teammate the year before, and I was just like, I said, you ain't going anywhere, bro. I'm trying to choke you out here a little bit, but, you know, it was just, it was one of those fights that was, I mean, you don't want to get in fights, but that just fired everybody up, and, oh, yeah. you know, that was good, but I, I always wished that Allen, Mills, and Daryl Strawberry just put him in a ring, give him three minutes, and watch Strawman go. <laughs> that, that would have been epic. There was a place in baseball for that back in, back in the... Back early, in the day. In the, back in the day, the, the late 90s, early, even the early 2000s. How about Bob Gibson? Uh, yeah, he, you dig in on him, he's going to get one in the air is hole. It, is it fair game? It should be. I mean, guys, you don't... You want it got in. Some guys come in with swagger. They, they dig a hole. They take their time. Nomar's doing all this crap. And, you know, it just becomes bothersome because he's got his routine, you know, and... And nowadays, I don't think it, because now they want the game to be sped up, you know. So when you got guys stepping out of the box all the time, you know, and doing all that, it just becomes bothersome. So you send them a message. You're not trying to hit them, but, you know, if you hit them, hang with them. Yeah. It's like Mo Vaughn. I love Mo Vaughn, but I couldn't get the son of a bitch out. 
and I threw the kitchen sink at him, and boom. I think he hit like seven or eight home runs career-wise off me, and I just one day I went up to him. I said, Mo, I love you, buddy, but you know what? If there's a base open, I'm just going to hit you. <laughs> and he goes, why? And I said, because I can't get you out. <laughs> I can't get you out. And he goes, well, why are you going to hit me then? I said, because I don't want to waste four pitches. And, and, and I said, on, and then on the flip side, you're a liability on base. You can't run. <laughs> so if I get my ground ball, you're an easy double play candidate. So it was great. I said, if there's nobody on, I'll challenge you. But other than that, kiss my ass. <laughs> I threw in the towel with Mo Vaughn. That was it. The only guy ever threw, the, threw in the towel was him. Yeah. Was he yeah. The, he, so obviously he was your hardest guy to get oh out. Oh, my God. He, he was, a lot of guys were tough on me, but he just sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah. No, the, the, that rivalry, the, the Red Sox and, and Yankees rivalry, I mean, it used to be strong. I mean, I'm sure you still follow the game now. Has it dissipated to the point where it's not – a big deal anymore maybe because they won a couple of championships but is, is it not a big deal anymore no it is those Red Sox fans are crazy they're nuts up there you know I played two years there and it, it's there they love their Red Sox like the Yankees fans love their Yankees but I think they take it a step higher than anybody else because they're just they're fanatics and it's such tight quarters there and Boston people are crazy they're nuts you know it's like I, I, I played two years there, and I think I went out three times. I couldn't go out anywhere. I couldn't go to a grocery store. I couldn't go to a restaurant. I couldn't go to a bar because every son of a bitch has hit me on the back. Booma, let's do a shot. Let's do a shot. Let's do that. And I'm like, guys, and even in the and but they all want to get it should be picture town, not bean town, picture town. And so they all wanted pictures, and you just had no privacy. So I'd rent two, three movies. Go grab something, a steak or a chicken, throw it on the grill at the house, and watch a movie, and I never went out. Wow, they made a party animal not want to party. That's exactly. <laughs> That's how bad it was. What was your favorite place other than New York to play? Chicago. Hmm. Yeah. Because they closed at 6 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I went where the party went. Yeah. <laughs> that was me. I hated to stay in the house, I mean, or in the hotel. You get tired of looking at the four walls, you know, unless you got company. But, <laughs> but, um, but the thing was is that... You know, it, it was just tough, and, you know, you always... And it was weird because when David Cohn, I think it was in, uh, I want to say maybe 97, when he, ha he came off of that, he had the aneurysm, yeah. and we're out in Oakland, and he was pitching. He was on a pitch count, and he had a no-hitter through seven innings, and Joe took him out with a no-hitter. And But we went out the night before. They put us in downtown Oakland, they said, when the, lights, when the sun goes down, stay in. Don't go out, run the streets. So we went to the bar. We, one thing led to it. Me and Dave are hammered. And so I'm hung over the next day, and he's pitching his gem. And I'm like, holy mackerel, this guy's pitching his ass off. And, and if he's feeling like me, there's something wrong here. And then so after the game, we have the spread, and then I get on the bus. I'm just sitting there going, I cannot wait to get in bed. And all of a sudden, he gets on the bus. He goes, Boomer! And I look at him, he goes, let's go. I said, where, where are we going? I said, I'm pitching tomorrow, and I'm, I'm not feeling too hot. And he goes, remember last night? And I go, let's go. <laughs> I got up, got off the bus, and we went into San Francisco. I think Graham and, and Nellie and a couple other guys, he had a limo for us, and all hell broke loose. How'd you night. pitch the next day? I threw a shutout against Dave Stewart. <laughs> So the moral of Boomer's career, get hammered every well, game. <laughs> but, well, that's where it started. 
So, so we, all the way up to the All-Star break, every night, and Dave and I went back to back. So at the, after the All-Star break, Coney went into Joe Torrey and says, hey, man, you got to split us up. He goes, and Joe's like, why? He goes, because I need some sleep. Boomer's killing me. I'm like, way to throw me under the bus, buddy. But uh, so I think, I think I went first, and then Dave went third. Um, so that way we got a night sleep, and then after that, two nights. So, and then that's how it kind of started. But it was like, I felt so, so relaxed the next day after going out and having a couple pops. So it was kind of became a regimen. I love it. I absolutely love it. I Not everybody I, could do it, though. No. Um, only one time. Only one time did I play hungover <laughs> like that. Uh, so favorite teammate out of all of them, David Cohn was my, my favorite, and Pat Henkin. Play, we played in Toronto. Um, he won Cy Young, I think, in 96. Okay. He played for the Orioles, the Blue Jays, but just a great guy. We, we, he came up through the minor leagues with Toronto when I was in the big leagues a little bit, but he got called up pretty quick. That guy, he was fun to be around. He just, he always laughed, so that was good. Tell me about Joe Torre. <laughs> what do you want to know? Was he a, I mean, <laughs> he's viewed as a great skip. We didn't get along. How about that? Okay, um, did everybody else get along with him or no? Well, he, I didn't think he treated everybody the same. So that was the big issue with me. Um, I'm a team guy. You talk crap on my guy, you're gonna, I'm going to get in your face. So I tried to protect, especially the young guys, but if the media went after certain guys, I'd see them in the, in the clubhouse the next day and I'd go after the media. Because you always heard the stories about the media, about New York media. I'm like, they ain't running me out of town. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run them out of town. That was my mentality for that. But, you know, so Joe would just, he'd always, he was hesitant to let me do what I needed to do. And he's always worried about what I did. And so I was just like, so I'd fight him on it. Verbally, we'd get in some pretty heated matches. And so... I bought a Babe Ruth hat, and I said, I'm going to wear this son of a bitch. <laughs> and so kind of, the word kind of got out, and Joe comes to me, and he goes, you're not wearing that hat, Boomer. I said, oh, yes, I am. And he goes, I said, and you won't know when I do it either. He goes, yeah, I will. I said, okay, we'll find out. And so a couple weeks later, we're playing Cleveland, and so I warmed up, and I come walking through the dugout, and I always went up to my locker, changed my shirt, and then went out there. So I had the hat, and I, put the, and I got dressed. I put the hat on, and I walked down the tunnel, and I'm looking up, and I can see Jorge and Jeter, and they're looking at me, and I'm like, go. I'm like, go. <laughs> then they're, they're like, what? I'm like, go. Run out on the field, man. Start the music. Let's go. So they took off, so the whole team went, and I bolted right out of there with the hat on right past Joe. And I went out there. He's on the top step just fuming. By so, the way, this is a 1934 authentic Bay Roop. Hey? Oh, yeah. It cost you like 10 grand, right? 35 grand. 34. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Everybody thought I was the biggest idiot in the world. I sold it six years ago for 600 grand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ah, so, awesome. And now it's back on the block. <laughs> I so love somebody, that. I might have to buy it back. I love that. But um, so I wore it. I got out of the inning and I come in. And Joe Torrey is pissed at me. He goes, take that effing hat off. That's bullshit. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, get over it, dude. It's history. He goes, no, it's not. It's not required uniform. I said, it has NY on it, right? And he goes, but the NY was a little bit smaller than, than our hat. So I took it off. I went up, took it off, and got my ass handed to me. First time I think I lost to Cleveland in two years. So after the game, he calls me in the office, and he goes, you're fine, 2500 bucks." 
I said, that's it? No problem. I'm cool. Went to the bank the next day, got a bunch of ones, fives, and tens. Came to park, rolled them up, walked into his office. He's at his table. I said, hey, Joe. He looked at me, and I just threw it. Money just went, woo. I told him to go buy. I go, and I, and I remember telling him, I said, go buy some fucking rims for your car, asshole. And that was it. And he never talked to me ever since then. I was like, yes. I love it. <laughs> so I went on a bashing. David Wells, Boomer, thank you very much. Oh, Appreciate my pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Thuzio Live and Unfiltered podcast with our guest, David Wells. Be sure to subscribe to Thuzio Live and Unfiltered wherever you listen to podcasts. And also, make sure you follow us on social media at Thuzio.